Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Train, Eat, Repeat. Excuse Andrea, we're both uh, suffering a little bit of a sinus infection, so if we sound a little bit weird, that is why. We're just talking through our noses. We, we might talk like this throughout parts of the podcast, so just be wary. We're such dorks. Um, but welcome in, guys. Uh, this is Train, Eat, Repeat. Um, this is a full-spectrum podcast covering everything from training to nutrition to mindfulness. Um, occasionally, we have guests guests that come on, uh, like Dr. William Davis, Dr. Aaron Horshig, um, among many others. And we are working on getting some really great guests um, coming up in the next, hopefully, uh, month or two. Um, so that way we can uh, give you guys the information you need to live healthier lives. So, yeah, and if you guys want to hear something that we haven't discussed before, or if you want us to deep dive on some other different topics that we did previously, just let us know. We we want to make sure this information is interesting to you and helpful to you. And not only that, you're going to get the real deal. I mean, we just I just had a cough on the podcast, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to edit it out because um, we want to make sure that we are being honest and as real as possible. And also for you guys to understand that we know that health and wellness and living a healthy lifestyle isn't the easiest thing in the world. It's very rewarding, but it takes a lot of work, and it's something that we've been working on our entire lives and will continue to work on because we see such a huge return on investment. There are other ways that you guys can connect with us. Um, we actually have a really great and and actually booming, growing uh, Facebook group, um, and we share a lot of unique and and um, I guess uh, pertinent information. Pertinent that information. Is, um, it's a wealth of information, uh, anywhere from sleeping to mindful eating to post and pre uh, nutrition before workouts to um, aches and pains. Like ways to manage your hormones, uh, because the majority of the people that listen to this podcast, so thank you, and, and also inside of our group, are women um, in that perimenopausal, menopausal age when things do get a really confusing. Um, and we have guides that we don't release to anybody else, um, maybe a few clients, but we definitely don't just put it out there for free. Um, and it's free to you if, once you're inside this group. So we have the sleep like a baby guide, which we've been covering those steps over the last number of weeks uh-huh. and we'll continue to. We have the hormone guide, among many others. So, again, resources, uh, you know, as Tim Grover, uh, former trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, he says, you know, Kobe said knowledge is power. Well, only if you use it. So we're giving you the knowledge. It's up to you to use it. And also know that we are virtual coaches as well. So if you want to take it to that next level. Yeah. And we understand that the health and wellness space is a bit overwhelming because everyone's got their two cents on their opinion Mm -hmm. of what works and what doesn't work. And what we try to do is help you understand what's going to work specifically for you, not for the masses. Absolutely, because we're all different, and one, one approach is not going to work for another. Uh, and I think that goes without saying for everything that we talk about in this podcast. We are giving you information based on the research, based on the real-life experience that we've had with numerous clients, hundreds upon hundreds of clients over the years. And then also, too, asking you to do a little bit of trial and error yourself, because ultimately, at the end of the day, we can't do the work for you. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to jump into it. That was three minutes of us being dorks and introducing you to everything going on. So today, I felt it was important to talk about what are the best exercises or things to be mindful of when it comes to aging well for people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So, and, and why why this age range? Well, for number one is that that's majority 
that's the age range of the majority of the clients that we work with. Uh-huh. So we see really quickly what can happen when uh, sort of you think you things start to slow down, your life becomes really busy, whether you're a business owner or a mom, um, or you just simply lost track of it and other priorities got put ahead of your own health. But what ends up happening though, is that the, the body, if you it, sort of the quote from uh four-year-old virgin, it's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. And unfortunately <laughs> that is a real thing. Like you will, start to lose mobility, you will start to lose strength, and you will start to feel older. Um, and it goes without saying, like, like I have more aches and pains at 35 than I did when I was 25. But that's also, but I probably could have more if I didn't live the lifestyle that I choose to live. Sure. We chose the 40, 50, 60 because at at the age of, you know, getting into your 40s, like you had said, you you start to feel some aches and pains and you start to feel that things are either slowing down or they're not capable of doing some things that you were used to doing before. Or we also start to think about, you know, I'm getting older and I need to start feeling better and I need to start to take control of my 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 uh, my health because my kids are getting older and I want to be around much longer. So we start to look a little bit more inward at this age process um, to figure out how we can elongate our life. And I think the comforting thing for you all to know is that it doesn't have to be an a all in or all out approach. Um, in most cases, uh, the least effective dose possible is really all you need to start noticing small measurable change. And we'll go over a few of our case studies of our own clients mm-hmm. that we've seen just fantastic results with. Um, so let's jump into the first one in terms of the strength. So, you know, there obviously are a myriad of exercises out there that any one person can do at any certain time. But as you age, certain things start to decline. Balance being number one. Um core strength being number two, um, your ability to get into a full range of motion. So whether that be a squat, whether that be a hip hinge, you've lost the capacity to move through a full range of motion. Whether you have experience um, learning the proper biomechanics of your body or if you don't. Um, Some other things that people end up losing. Uh, I think our posture gets into question. Mm. Um, our, you said range of motion, our flexibility, our core control. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about um, how all those are intertwined as well. But strength training is so beneficial. And I know it can be daunting for a lot of women um, to get into strength training because they always think that they don't want to get bulky when they start lifting weights. Well, and I think, too, it's intimidating. It's I hear that from women, too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to walk into a gym and not go to the machines, mm-hmm. um, which were always going to be a, 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 a huge proponent and advocate of doing free weight training. Mm-hmm. So using barbells and kettlebells and dumbbells, because it, uh, it forces you to control that weight through space. Mm-hmm. Whereas a machine is a fixed range of motion. Um, it's supporting you. Most times you're seated. Mm-hmm. You're just not getting that, that benefit from it. And know too, that, that it, do- it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you hit 40, 50 and 60 and you realize, oh, I'm not in that great of shape anymore. Right. This is a long process of what what Andrea liked to coin as you're a victim of acceptance. I'm getting older, therefore I can't do this, mm-hmm. or I'm getting older, so therefore that means that I should have bad posture. Um, we talked about the the old ladies that everybody mm. knows. Everybody knows an we old lady or an old man. Great, great grandma or great aunt that when you go see at Christmas time or in the holidays, they seem to be like a habit size. They're like super yeah. tiny because they're so rounded and hunched over. And, and in most cases... 
right? Unless you have some kind of condition like extreme scoliosis or, or kyphosis, um, those are a byproduct of years and years and years of bone loss, of not uh, standing with the right posture, of not working on your Rounding strength. Rounding over. And you know what? That's going to be a lot of our future for our kids now if we don't do something about it. Oh, my goodness. all the tech snacked. Tech snack. It's yeah. an actual medical condition. Yes. <laughs> Text neck is it, like that just mind yes. blowing to me, yeah. right? So we can help with that. There yeah. are there are exercises, and that's what Tyler's talking about. Is there's specific exercises that you can continue to do that you can add into your life that help with your functional movement. Okay, so major ones. Uh, I'm going to get to the point here. I promise. Eventually, <laughs> I'll get to the point. Carries. Why are carries important? Well, what's a carry? Okay, so carry would be classified as literally carrying weight with correct posture and not compensating. So what do I mean by that? So let's talk about like a suitcase walk to begin with, okay? So a suitcase walk is exactly like it sounds like. If you were to walk to the airport, okay, and let's just say you didn't have a roller roller bag on them, even though everybody does right now, and you're holding on to a suitcase in one hand, the other hand doesn't have any weight in it. So what that does is, is it creates an instability, right? Because your inclination is going to be to lift away from the weight, right? To use your body to try and hold that weight or the weight's so heavy, you allow your shoulders to drop towards the weight. So what we're trying to do here is build core stability, specifically in your obliques. We're also trying to ensure that you can walk straight with shoulders back and down, core remains tight the entire time, you're clenching your butt cheeks so that way your hips are centered underneath your torso, right? Mm -hmm. We see a lot of that lower lumbar um, curvature, Mm -hmm. especially with people that have that uh, lordosis, lumbar lumbar lordosis. So that is one effective carry. Another effective carry would be a farmer's walk. So unlike the suitcase carry, which is one, you're going to be holding on to two weights at that time. So two suitcases. Two suitcases. So making sure the shoulders stay back and down. I almost like to say tuck your shoulder blades into your back pockets and walking your normal gait, right? We're not trying to speed walk. We're not trying to elongate or stride. Just walking confidently. Definitely. The other benefit, too, is that you're working your grip strength. If you turn your hands out 30 degrees, you're working your rear delt, which is typically a spot that most people, especially women, want to develop. Um, if you wear like something sleeveless during the during the summertime. Yeah, sexy shoulders. Sexy shoulders. Why not? And, and that's just another benefit of it. Other carries, overhead carries, um, a little bit more of an advanced movement, but teaches you how to tuck your rib cage. So many people, if you look over in the mirror and you ask somebody to raise their arms overhead, automatically their ribs pop out, right? That's what I mean by their ribs don't stay down. So what I try to explain is what we're trying to teach is proper core stability and also positioning. So when I say tuck your ribs or close the bird cage, I'm going to keep the bird in the cage, ribs stay down, hips stay tucked underneath. And so what we're building here is that ability to basically function throughout life. Because how many times are you going to be carrying a purse? If you're a woman on one side of your shoulder, you have to pick up a bag of mulch and carry it to the backyard. Those are all very functional movements. Putting groceries away above your head. Absolutely. Because if you don't have that core control and you're lifting something that's awkward, right? 
right? Which mm-hmm. which we always do inside mm-hmm. of our lives. Like it's usually not in the gym where you're doing an awkward movement unless you're not well versed in it. But how many times have you lifted something and you feel something pop mm-hmm. or you feel something sort of pull? That's happening because you haven't trained your body for those situations and because you probably have a little bit of a strength deficiency. So therefore your body had to compensate somehow and that compensation led to injury. Okay, so we've got carries. What's the next exercise that we can do? The next one is isometric core work, which carries would be inclusive Mm -hmm. of that. But we're talking about planks, side planks, hollow holds, um, uh, poly-off presses. These are all exercises. It's hard for me to explain because you're not visual, but you can look them up. Okay. But the reason why we want to do isometrics is that Yes, your spine can move, right? It is meant to move side to side, forward and back. But ultimately, that's also where injuries happen. How many times have somebody if somebody dropped something on the floor and you bend over to pick it up? And this is a little bit of a hip hinge, but also spinal movement. And you reach down and you you do not hinge at your hips. Now you're just getting a ton of flexion through your spine or doing crunches or sit-ups. Now they have their place, right? But especially for an older individual... We want to be able to resist the forces that are put on our body coming from all directions. So whether it's coming laterally, where it's coming in a frontal plane, whether it's coming down, uh, whether it's at us trying to stop in a sagittal or tra- transverse plane, we're trying to stop gravity and stop any forces from trying to in, uh, move our body. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the big thing. So isometric holds um, are huge um, and definitely something that should be inside of your programs. Unilateral work. This has to, all to do with balance. I, this is huge. I think everyone the age mid-30s and up needs to do unilateral work. So what does unilateral work mean? We're just working one side at a time. Okay, so one side at a time. So we're really focusing on balance and the stabilization muscles. Yes. And, and, and you know, a, a good test really, and you guys can do this right now barring you're not driving. Um, But if you're just listening, I want you to stand up and I want you to just stand on one foot. Keep your knee nice and soft and see if you can hold that position, okay? If you feel comfortable there, okay, now I'm gonna challenge you a little bit more. Close your eyes and see how long you can hold that position. It's gonna be a little bit harder. Now, if you can't- He's doing it right now. (laughs) I am doing it right now, right? (laughs) Feel it, see it, believe it, all those things. But but if you can't even, I can't tell you how many clients I've met, they've lost the ability to balance on one foot. So what does that lead to? The potential for injury. Because if you're unbalanced, and, and it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Sometime in your life, you're, you're going to slip on ice. You're going to have to step up onto a higher surface. Trip and fall when you're running. Absolutely. So you need to be able to have those muscle tissues around like the ankles and around your knees be as strong as possible so that you have the proper balance and stability and knowing what that balance and stability feels like. That's why we advocate going barefoot Mm -hmm. as often as we do Mm -hmm. because the majority of your balance comes from the stability of your foot. Mm -hmm. So unilateral also is going to help, uh, diminish imbalances you have. We all have a strong side and we all have a weak side. The problem is, is that we 
unknowingly or maybe knowingly continuously use our strong side throughout our life. Absolutely, for sure. And and we we favor our our weak side, you know, because we want to get through the workout and we want to, you know, get through it and get done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So unilateral work, very important. Um, you can do it for upper body, you can do it for lower body. Good examples would be single leg RDLs, uh, single leg wall sits, um, for upper body, you know, there's a million of them. Yeah. Uh, lunges would be a unilateral movement. Upper body would be single arm, single arm rows, single arm overhead press, single arm bench press. Either either exercise that's working just one side of your body at one time. Exactly. It, it, to put it simply, and if you think about it, it it's also creating more of that mind-muscle connection, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and so if you're working on one side of your body, you have to, you can't turn off your mind. You're not just working, like, if you're doing a single-arm row. Yeah, you're you're rowing with that right arm, but you're also trying to isometri- isometrically hold your left, and so that way you're not dipping that shoulder down or you're not dipping that shoulder back when you're rowing. So you're working on that core as well, specifically. So it's, you're working on that unilateral side, but you're also in, in, and a mindset of making sure that your left side's not suffering. So the next one after unilateral would be compound full range of motion exercises. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, your your basic go-to compound exercises, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Squats, hip hinges or deadlifts, overhead press, bench press. So that'd be like something to work your chest. So all of your pressing movements, all of your rowing or pulling movements, so rows, pull-ups, um, and I think that's all of them. That Those are your basic compound movements. Compound means you are working more than one muscle group at a time. And every single one of those movements, you will have a primary muscle and secondary muscles that fire throughout. Why is that important? Number one, it's going to help to build the most amount of muscle mass on your frame. Yep, your largest pieces of muscle. Yes, which, by the way, 60% of your muscle mass is below your waist. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that keep pounding your upper body, you're going to have to work your legs. Never skip leg day. Yes. <laughs> and, and your glutes are actually the biggest muscle bellies in your body. So build your glutes. Um, so important for core control and posture and a million other things. But those basic movements are the ones that I would hit. I would also add on to that some uh, I, compound movements um, where we're we're stemming together multiple pieces. What I mean by that is, is think of like a medicine ball slam. Okay, oh, yeah. so taking a ball from the floor to your chest, overhead, and then slamming it back down to the floor. So you're you're encompassing so many different movements within just one movement. Exactly. Now it is a ballistic movement. It is not something I do with somebody who is brand new to weightlifting because a million things can go wrong the more pieces we add to the puzzle. So we can make it even easier. Let's say I got home and I suitcase or I farmer carried in my grocery bags, right? Yeah. So that's a farmer carry. And then I put the grocery bags on the table and I'm unloading the groceries, putting them away. I could essentially take two cans of soup and squat down and stand and press to put them in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. So I'm incorporating those functional movements as I'm going through doing my normal day activities. And the more that you practice it in your regular life, the more it becomes a routine, right? 
the more it becomes automatic. It's just something that you do. I can't tell you how many times. So I, this one woman, Anne, who was in one of my classes uh, years ago, she would always come back to me after a weekend. Uh, she, Her and her husband had a boat. They had a ton of friends. And her friends were obviously around the same age she was. She was in her mid-60s. And she would always gloat to me about how her friends were so impressed that she was able to carry two large coolers down to the boat right? All by herself. And it wasn't so much the feat of strength, like, yes, that was part of it, but it was the fact that she felt empowered and she also felt stable Mm -hmm. walking down. And the only reason she felt stable, one, because she practiced it, two, because she actually did gain some strength, Mm -hmm. but three, because she was cognizant enough that in the moment, which a lot of times it's hard to do, but in the moment, she was able to get into the correct position to do that movement, right? Because like you'll hear about uh, professional athletes. They throw their back out tucking their kid into bed. Right. They're professional athletes, right. right? Because it's we always get injured doing the things that that we you know we aren't prepared for, if we you will. We are typically doing. And another one of our clients who is one of our virtual wellness clients is uh, she's in her early 50s and she has a, a young daughter, I think, eight or ten, ten-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. And they went um, rock climbing a couple weekends ago. And usually she would sit there and watch her daughter do the rock climbing, but she wanted to participate and she did it. And she felt so strong and confident. And it was so, such a nice experience for her and her daughter to do together. And the reason why she felt so confident was the fact that she felt stronger in her legs. The other part that made her feel confident was that she had a connection to knowing how what her body should feel and how it should move properly like that getting in the correct position so she wouldn't hurt herself the injury prevention piece yeah i mean think about how much more confidence you have if you know you can you can do step ups and lunges and side lunges and things where like your balance is tested your strength is tested your stamina is tested well like you had said people are picking up mulch bags because it's summertime here in michigan and we're mulching you know putting mulch in our, our flower beds but doing so, they have to squat down, lift, hoist it above their shoulders, mm-hmm. and walk it to that flower bed, squat back down, and put it down onto the ground. How many times have you done it? And at the end of the day, you're like, oh, my God, I am so sore. Right? That's a normal thing because a lot of people aren't doing it correctly. Or you're in pain. Yeah. Which, which pain, <clears throat> soreness may happen, right? But yeah. Muscle soreness. But you're feeling pain where you shouldn't feel it. Right. Um, or persists for longer than a couple days. Um, that's a sign that something else was lifting that whatever you're lifting mulch bags in this case to help you with that movement whereas if you knew how to move Mm -hmm. that weight properly Mm -hmm. and and know how to listen Mm -hmm. to your body say like "Ooh, i feel this little twinge okay let me reset get into this position now i'm not sore it actually happened with my mom and my dad Mm -hmm. so my mom has been um, to her own credit, she's been working really hard to l- have me teach her like how to properly move her body. Mm-hmm. Um, she's rehabbing from a tibia injury that was a few years ago. Um, so she obviously lost a lot of muscle mass. There was a lot of atrophy. And when they were moving mulch bags, she said, I felt fine afterwards. Like I felt, I felt good. My dad laid up, back hurt. Um, everything was screaming. And, and again, that's not uh, to say that my dad like doesn't know how to do these things. It's just being conscious to get into the proper range of motion or the proper position in order to get it done. So what's the last thing on our list that we have? What kind of exercises? Oh, flexibility. Uh, your flexibility goes out the window if you do not try. So you tend to start flexibility at age nine. 
So inflexibility is such a long, it's such a hard thing to to get back. It's something you have to work at consistently. It's not like, well, I'm going to go do yoga and I should be able to touch my toes. No, not absolutely, absolutely not. So your muscle um, has this memory, it has a lot, like a rubber band. So over time, you know how rubber bands get a little cakey and they start to like stretch a little too far and then they snap. That's the same thing that's happening with your muscles. And so in doing so, you have to practice your flexibility almost every day. It's something you should do over and over. Uh, we stretch with our clients at the end of each mm-hmm. of our sessions with them um, because it is so beneficial. It's such, in the, the moment you can go a little bit further each time, your muscles Muscle memory goes a little bit more and a little bit more. So that's how you gain your flexibility. But I see a lot of times that uh, people that haven't worked out in a while and they try to bend over to touch their toes and they're just stuck. They can't go. They're stuck at their shins. They can't go any further to touch their toes. And I'm not saying that should be the measure for you, but it's it's such a flexibility is such a, um, a, a precursor to a healthy back, healthy Achilles tendons, healthy calves, healthy shoulders, healthy neck, healthy spine, all these different things that are associated with your flexibility. And, and even when we talked with Dr. Horshig, he said most times an injury is not happening because of that whatever happened in that moment, but more so it's a precursor to the fact that you lacked mobility, you lacked flexibility, you lacked the strength. And over time, it was kind of a ticking time bomb that got to that point. I mean, think about this in terms of a baby. Look how flexible oh, a baby is. They can put is. their toes in their mouth. And a baby or, <laughs> or even people in, in third world countries. I've yeah. talked about this before. <clears throat> they don't sit. They sit down in a squat mm-hmm. when they're relaxing. Um, certain cultures, they sit on the floor mm-hmm. when they eat dinner with their legs crossed. So again, it, we're becoming a victim of our lifestyle. And if you, to Andrea's point, if you're constantly in a seated position, your hip flexor is shortened. Well, no wonder when you ask it to open up doing a run or doing a squat or doing a lunge, you're going to feel pain, right? And you're going to feel like I can't get into this range of motion. And it's not going to happen overnight either. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm, my trainer stretched me out um, so after my go. session. Yeah. So I'm good to go now. Right. I don't need to stretch the rest right. of the week. Memory is built over time. And if you've been sitting in a chair for the last 30 years, it's going to take maybe not 30 years, but it's going to take a considerable amount of effort, a considerable amount of time to try and gain back that flexibility. Because if you don't, if you don't work on that flexibility and mobility, so the, the difference between the two is the flexibility is the ability of the tissue to lengthen. Okay. That's all we're talking about. Mobility is your ability to get into a comfortable range of motion in order to work the particular muscle groups we're looking for. Okay. So that's the two biggest differences there, but they play hand in hand. Mm-hmm. If you don't work on your flexibility, you're going to end up like that grandma or grandpa we talked about yeah, at the beginning, all, all hunched over, over and rounded, mm-hmm. right? So taking a look at your posture in the mirror and, and really assess it, one of the best ways to do that, and we can, we can it's actually one of the first things mm-hmm. we do with our clients, mm-hmm. is f- for a neutral spine, okay? So for normal posture, and I would even practice this and catch yourself if you can, your feet are about hip width apart. Your knees are soft. What I mean by soft or athletic is a better word is that you can balance your weight back and forth. They're, they're not, not hyperextended. They're not locked out and they're not sloppy either. Okay. So you have good balance between your feet. Your glutes are tucked and tight. So you're tucking your tailbone up towards your, your nose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Suck in that belly button. Rib cage is down. Shoulders up, back, down. That's where they sit. You're tucking your shoulder blades into your back pocket. Head is neutral with your body 
to pretend like there's you can there's like a three inch four inch ruler between your orange between your chin and chest. Yes. So if I were to take a yardstick and I put it on the back of your body, head, back, tailbone is all in one straight line. Nothing. There's no part of those three points where the stick is not touching. You could grab a broomstick and do that demonstration for yourself. But so how are how can we increase our flexibility? A different exercises we can do for our flexibility are Pilates, stretching, and foam rolling. Um, so these are different things that, and looking for Pilates programs online, you know, I'm, I'm your gal. I can help you out with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> we do that. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's a concerned effort around, number one, assessing where your flexibility is at. And that's why the posture test mm-hmm. is one of the first places to start because – uh, just like an injury doesn't happen in the moment, it's more so a compounding effect. Tightness in one area could be being caused by tightness in another. So you have a kinetic chain going from your feet all the way up towards your head. So just because you feel tightness in, or you feel pain in your knees doesn't mean necessarily the pain is coming from the knee. The pain could be coming from tight hip flexors. It could be coming from a lack of ankle mobility, all of those things. So from a basic standpoint, doing a combination of foam rolling, holding those uh, those sort of problem areas and, and putting it on a foam roller for 90 seconds to two minutes, making sure we're stretching daily for at least 30 seconds per body part. Again, I won't get into the specifics because it's kind of hard to explain, but we have numerous videos around the proper stretches. You guys can also reach out to us. Um, And then also, I mean, even though we're not necessarily talking about nutrition, hydration. Mm. So think about your your muscles and, and tissues and tendons as a leather belt, right? or anything leather for that matter. Leather has to be taken care of. It has to be supple. So you have to put various oils on that leather in order for it to hold its elasticity, for it to hold um, its its size. size too. So if I let a leather belt dry out over numerous years and you go to pull on that belt, eventually it's going to rip. It's going to tear, right? And it's definitely not going to have any flexibility to it. Your muscles are the same way. So yes, it's not just water, but water is such a huge component, not just in terms of hydration, but keeping those muscle tissues uh, nice and supple, Mm -hmm. if you will, is a a good word to use. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. How does Pilates play a role in terms of the flexibility piece? So Pilates takes a role it, and it kind of it combines mobility and flexibility into the same thing because we're working on range of motion in the joint, but also flexibility in the joint. And it also works unilaterally. So not only are we trying to uh, fix an impingement or an imbalance on one side, let's say your shoulder is not as flexible or it lacks the range of motion of your left shoulder. So we work on both sides to make sure one's not using, you're not, your dominant side's not using more than the weaker side. We want to make sure that there's a balance on both sides of it. <clears throat> Perfect. So, I mean, the, the big thing, guys, in, in to sort of recap everything that we've just touched on, core control and strength. Strength through uh, compound movements, unilateral movements, isometric movements. Um, this is going to help your posture. It's going to help your breathing. Um, and just overall, you're going to feel better and also have less risk of injury. Balance. Again, unilateral work. We have to correct imbalances. We need to decrease the likelihood of falls. Um, It's also going to increase uh, the density of your bones, um, which is huge. Can't tell you how many people that are... uh, 
little bit beyond their 60s, but end up having a catastrophic fall and they break their hip. Oh, just for women in their 40s and 50s that are starting to have osteopenia Mm -hmm. um, and how to reverse those stages in those symptoms of osteopenia are huge. Loading your spine and loading your your body with some weight helps those bones start to regrow and regenerate themselves. Yeah, the stronger the muscle, the stronger the bones. It's Mm -hmm. that simple. That's why we take a look at a measurement called skeletal muscle mass because that type of muscle tissue is directly attached to the bone. Mm -hmm. So the more muscle mass that you have, the healthier, i.e. your bones will be. Um, And obviously there's some nutritional pieces that you can do too. Um, And I think too, we we talked about this at the beginning a little bit, starting small. We're not saying you need to, to come up with like the ultimate program and spend hours and hours in the gym because the one thing that that is known about habits in general, and this is from James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, is that people are only going to stick with a habit if it's something that's realistic, it's something that they can fit into their daily lifestyle, and it's something they enjoy, right? So while, yeah, and, and, and I don't think you can say I enjoy it or if I don't, if you've never tried it, right, right? And, first of all. And adding just simple movements, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, do some squats. Yeah. Or if you're doing your hair, putting your makeup on, do some lunges. They're, they're not, you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours at the gym to get these movements in. It's mm-hmm. normal movements. Going to put the kids to bed at night, do lunges to their bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, do a plank until the story's over. You're, you're brewing coffee in the morning, have a dumbbell or a kettlebell in your kitchen. It's weird as that sounds, but have a dumbbell or kettlebell in your kitchen. You're making it easy for yourself. Go ahead and knock out 10 overhead presses, 10 squats, 10 deadlifts, 10 rows. And then re- Reward yourself with a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, that's the best reward ever. And it's calorie-less as long as you're not putting like the milk and the sugar and everything else like that in there. We like ours black in case you wanted to know. And if you ever want to buy us a cup of coffee, we love coffee. Um, and, and another thing we didn't talk about, we talked about the flexibility, but getting up from the floor, guys, I can't oh, tell you. So huge. This is one skill that you absolutely cannot let go by the wayside because getting up from the floor is paramount. Whether you fall, whether you want to get down on the floor with your grandchildren and play with them, um, your for, dog. If, if you're gardening, yeah. your dog, whatever. So core control, flexibility, overall strength. Um, I would also take a look at um, eventually working up to like a Tur- Turkish get up um, or a half Turkish get up. Those are excellent exercises to learn how to get up off the floor. Doing a lunge from a standstill position. So your knee is from the fl- on the floor and standing up from that position, you're going to build strength from the bottom up. But though that is one of the first skills that goes. And if you allow it to go, I mean, who doesn't want to get down on the ground, right? Like who doesn't want to like sit in the grass and enjoy like a picnic and like enjoy your time with kids. So learning how to get up from the floor is so important. It's a huge measure of uh, what you are able to do and what you are not able to do. Yeah. And you're going to find out quickly. Mm-hmm. And again, we... You can't use your hands. No. Nope. Just get up from the floor. Wow, that's hard. I I mean, I can do it. Yeah. But but at the very least, getting up even from one hand, mm-hmm. which would be like a Turkish get up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and obviously, like coming up from a lunge. Like, mm-hmm. I know I can do that. Mm-hmm. She's talking about like this crazy Pilates move where your legs are crossed <laughs> and you're supposed to be able to stand Press up from cross it. applesauce and stand e- up. Yeah, she makes it sound so easy. It's not that easy. You forget that my legs are longer mm-hmm. than anything on my body. I make excuses, but I'll continue to work on it. Um, 
So again, I, I think the biggest thing to get out of this is that your training does change as you age. When you get into your 40s, 50s, and 60s, these are the things that are going to help you feel youthful. They're going to ensure that we have less risk of injury and falls. It's going to ensure that our bones stay nice and healthy. Um, and just overall, it's going to make your quality of life better. When you get to this age, your kids are probably grown at mm-hmm. this point. If you have them, they're probably getting close to moving out of the house, which means more freedom for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you don't have kids, you're getting to that sort of like the, that wonderful age where you can travel more and mm-hmm. you can do yep. things you want to do. time on your hands, but you, you have to realize that if you don't do something, you don't have to accept, well, I'm this age, so oh. of course it's going to hurt and of course I'm going to feel this way. No, you don't have to. That is not normal. You and anyone that, that tells you that, come to us. Because we'll we'll set we'll set you straight and we'll set them straight. Um, <laughs> we know people. We know people, you know. Um, <laughs> but no, but seriously, guys, like age is but a number, and I've talked about it in my social media posts. Like your your health outcomes. Um, there are some things that are not in your control. Your your genetics, um, occasionally your environment is is something you can't control and, and your just overall what your body disposition is, meaning like where you're gonna store fat and, and what muscle fibers you have. Those are all things that are genetic, but it's only three to five percent, which means that you have ultimate control over ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of your health outcomes. You have control. Absolutely. And it's up to you to be your own advocate, which is something we've always talked about. So take everything with a grain of salt. I would practice a few things that we talked about. Please reach out to us and let us know what you thought about this episode. We would love to hear your questions as well um, so we can answer them. You can do that on Facebook. You can do it um, inside of the iTunes podcast app, um, and we will get back with you. Um, And we hope you guys enjoy this episode, and hopefully it was helpful. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.